We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. We are coming to the um, end of a series that we've been doing called Relate. And I will give you a little bit of warning. Um, there are some powerful stories that you'll hear this morning in regard to the topic that we're going to look at. And I'm going to dive into one of them right now. Uh, at 5pm on May 22nd, 2010, just a wee while ago, a tragic incident happened in, in Christchurch. A 17-year-old teenager dri- who was driving down Lin- Linwood Ave uh, lost control of his car. Um, he slid out, um, slid up onto the footpath where it just so happened a young mum with um, two boys um, age four and six were walking along the road quite innocently. They had no time to react. And split seconds later, Nayan, who was four, um, was dead, and his brother Jacob, who was six, was critically, well, he wasn't critically injured, but he had multiple fractures in his body. And that family's life was changed forever. And some of you may have even remembered that incident at the time because. Um, there was an outcry um, of public reaction to this. It was a time when boy races were a, a problem in our city and this young man was blamed for being one of these boy racers and not controlling his car well enough and now look what's happened and man, we've got to come down heavy on these, these idiots that are doing this and you know, there was this, just this interesting response from the media and um, understandably the family... Uh, were grieving and didn't react straight away, but a reporter caught up with um, the parents, Jacob and Nayan's parents, a couple of weeks later. And their response, as I was following this story at the time, blew me away. They said this, We don't have any anger toward the motorist involved in this terrible accident. It is a tragedy for us all. I want you to settle that in your heart today. I had children about that age at the time. Joel would have been about five years old, you know, at that, at that point. And I was going, man, would have I responded like that? Would have I been gracious enough to forgive someone who did that to my family? And that's what we're looking at today. We're looking at the very difficult subject of forgiveness. And we have explored as we've gone through this series that as you go through life, hurt happens, okay? Hopefully not physical hurt like I've just described, but emotional pain happens in relationships. And Jesus was very clear that we have to respond to those events, those things that hurt us, those incidents where someone says something that we just go, oh, that really hurt. We have to respond to that well. And one of the things that he's told us to do is that we would forgive. It kind of follows the weeks that we've been going on over the last few weeks where we've said, um, you know, check your own heart first before you engage in that conversation. Have that conversation face to face. And now we get to the real hard stuff. And just by the way, um, how this kind of played out and the reason 
um, Nayan and Jacob's parents were willing to forgive is they actually met with the 17-year-old boy and his parents. They had a bit of a family get-together and they talked it all through. Amazing what happens when people sit down and talk face to face. We humanise the whole situation and we're able to explore forgiveness a whole lot better. Now we'll come to that just a little bit more in a minute, but I do want to make some notes as we go along the way here. I appreciate that this topic is really complex. It's, um, it's one of those topics that you go, yeah, but hang on, and you can think of a whole lot of different scenarios, and you're trying to work it through, but really, should I give grace, and what does forgiveness look like? And you're trying to work this out, and I appreciate that there is complexity to this, and I'm not going to be able to do this topic justice in one sermon. And there are the notes that you can work your way through as you do your devotions this week. So I strongly recommend that you, that you do those and work your way through them. But we have to deal with this topic because it is one of the most important values of the Christian faith. It is central to our faith in that we see forgiveness in the cross of Christ, right? Here... We, the, the God who we worship, the God who created us, the God who has a purpose for our life, the God who intervened that we celebrate every year at Christmas and Easter, who came down from heaven and intervened in our lives and hung on a cross for our sin, who gave his life that we might have life, who gave his life so that we could be forgiven, that we could be forgiven. In other words, what we see at the heart of God is that his love for us is expressed in forgiveness, is expressed in seeking to reconcile relationships, not leave things hanging out there with resentment and anger and bitterness. That's not God's way. And I know you're already thinking, oh yeah, but hang on, you don't know what this person has done to me, Warren. Yeah, I don't, but I'm just going, hey, this is what we see in God. And remember, we all offended God. Let's have a look at that. Romans chapter 5, a powerful gospel summary here. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the righteous. No, it didn't say that. I'm just making sure you're paying attention. It doesn't say that. It says Christ died for the ungodly or the sinners. Very rarely will someone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still offending him, while we were still the one that was grieving him and enemies of him and going our own way and rebelling against him, he died for us. He took the initiative to say, hey, I am offering forgiveness. Since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled and put back in relationship with him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? So 
what Paul is expressing here is this is so central. You need to grasp hold of how important forgiveness is to God. God was holy, and he had to find a way to cleanse us, to value us. He valued us enough to go, let's put this right. Let's, let's make a way for humanity to be restored to God. And in so doing, he goes, now that, now that I've gone to enormous effort, incredible sacrifice to make this happen for you, surely you can extend it to each other. So Colossians 3, we read this. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, what does that look like? Very next verse. Make allowances for each other's faults. Are you, are you okay with that? Kind of making allowances for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So forgiveness is really important. It's absolutely central. It, 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 when we forgive others, we're aligning our very hearts with God's heart. We're connecting with his love for humanity. We're connecting with his way of doing things. But here's the thing, it's probably one of the hardest things to do. And to illustrate this, I want to use a video clip. We don't use video clips very often, but this, I, there's, I, this is really powerful. It actually comes from Alpha. Uh, you've probably done Alpha. So the first person you'll see on the screen is Nikki Gumbel, who, um, who is the main teacher of the Alpha course. So you kind of see him talk about forgiveness first, and then he uses an example of it. So if we can put that on the screen now, that would be fantastic. Cool. Once you've experienced God's forgiveness, since God forgives you, you have to forgive yourself. And that's what I find the hardest. But we have to forgive because as C.S. Lewis points out, not forgiving ourselves is like setting ourselves up as a higher tribunal than God. If God forgives, you must forgive yourself. And we forgive others because we've been forgiven so much. Forgiveness is a choice, but it's not an option. And it's not easy. C.S. Lewis said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. And then it's really hard. But it really is true that the first to apologize is the bravest. The first to forgive is the strongest. And the first to forget is the happiest. One of my great heroes is Corrie ten Boom. She's a Dutch Christian who hid Jews during the war. She was caught and Corrie and her sister and her father went to Ravensbrück concentration camp. Her father and her sister Betsy died there. She's an amazing woman and after the war she went and spoke to others about forgiveness. She was speaking in a church in Germany one time and at the end of her talk she recognised the man coming up to her and she could see it was one of the most cruel guards from Ravensbrück. She pictured him as he was then. And as he came up to her, he said, I was a guard at Ravensbrück. He didn't recognize her, but she knew, she recognized him. She could see him, and she remembered walking naked past him. She said she felt so 
cold and so angry. He said, I've become a Christian now. I know I did some very cruel things, but I've received God's forgiveness for the cruelties I've done. And I ask God's grace for an opportunity to ask one of my very victims for forgiveness. Fraulein Ten Boom, once you were forgiven, will you forgive me? And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then I said, thank you, Jesus, that you have brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit who has given to me. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. situation as extreme as that where you're asked to forgive at such an extreme level. But whether, whether you're in a situation like that or whether it's just someone that's hurt you who's close to you recently, it will feel so hard at the time. And in yourself, in your natural abilities, it won't come naturally to you, just like it didn't for Corey Tembu. But she reached out to God, and God empowered her to forgive. God will empower you to forgive. Forgiveness is our willingness to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offence or mistake that they've made with us. It's saying, I'm not holding on to this resentment, this bitterness, this judgment anymore. And it's acknowledging they're wrong. It's not saying what they did was right. It's, saying, it's, it's acknowledging they're wrong, but it's in choosing to not let that wrongdoing define how you will extend grace to them. Now, how does God do that? How does God empower you to do that? Let's work through some practical application of this today. And it's, uh, I think we've outlined it in your notes. Um, the first one is this. And if you are helping someone through this process of forgiveness, it might be some helpful steps to keep in mind as you work your way through it. Here's the first one. Either for yourself or if you're helping someone else, the important thing to do here is to separate the person from the offence. Now, I know this seems a little bit counterintuitive, but just work with me here. Just, just, just go with me. See, the problem is, is when someone's offended us, and especially when they've betrayed us and they're saying things about us to other people that isn't true, it is, it is 
it's such a minefield and it's so painful. And whenever you think about that person, whenever you whenever that person comes to mind, what can you see? It's just the offense, right? You can't you you've we've so enmeshed what they've just done to us and the hurt that they've caused us and the person that they're one and the same thing. Are you, are you with me? Do you, do you see what I mean? We, we do that. We, we just can't see the difference. And yet what God did with us, what we see in Romans chapter 5, is that God looked down on us and rather than just seeing our sin, which he did see, don't get me wrong, we, when God looked down upon humanity, he was grieved. It says, uh, Genesis 6, 6, he says, he was grieved that he had created man and placed him on the world because of all our sin. But despite that grief, despite that offense that we had against God, God went, okay, I'm going to put that aside just for a moment and look at the beautiful creation that I have and I'm going to redeem it. And I'm going to reconcile that relationship first. And that's what we need to do with others. We need to look at the person and go, okay, they are more than just the offense, the hurt that is coming my way. There is value in who they are as a person. Now, I know that isn't easy. And just let me again put a little note in here. We're going to address the offense. We're going to address the wrong that they've done. But that's not the first thing that we're going to do. What we learn from God is we we take that offense, we take that hurt, we take that wrongdoing, whatever they've done, and we go, okay, let's take that and just set it aside over here for a moment. Okay. Now, how do you do that? Well, a question you can ask yourself is, how does God want me to see this person if I take the offense out of the equation? Does that make sense? I'll, I'll repeat that again. So if you're thinking about this person, just go, God, help me to see this person while I, while I just take that all that hurt, that offense, what they've done. I'm just going to remove that, just set it aside, kind of like pretend that it hasn't happened. What, how would I then relate to that person? Now, it has happened, and we'll address that in a moment, but at the moment, that's the first step that we're going to make. We're going to separate the person from the offense because... We're not trying to reconcile the problem yet. We're trying to reconcile with the person. God reconciles people before he reconciles problems. He does deal with the problem, but he reconciles people first. So that's the first step, separate out the two. Second step is this, embark on the process of releasing them from your anger and your resentment. Now notice that I said process. I do appreciate that the closer the person is, the deeper the hurt is, the longer it's going to take, probably, for you to work out a process of forgiveness. I'm not saying that this happens overnight, but some important questions as you go on this journey where you're going, how do I reconcile with this person, is to ask the question, what is it costing me to forgive them? And here's another really important question. What is it costing me if I don't forgive them? See, you're thinking, I need to hold on to this anger, I need to hold on to this bitterness, I'm not going to let them away with this, you know? You know, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, this, this has got to be put right, and I know you're holding on to that, but at what cost to yourself? If you've chosen to become anger and 
and bitter and resentful, you might say, well, I didn't choose it. They did it to me. You don't know what they did to me. You go, yeah, but you still chose that reaction. You've still chosen to get angry about this. You've still chosen to get resentful. You may have forgot when you made that decision, but at some point, you made that decision. And if we can make that decision to become angry, we can make that decision to let it go. You see, if you hold on to resentment, if you hold on to bitterness, you stay as the victim. You stay caught in the past. You don't, you can't move forward. There's, there's this thing holding you back. Jesus says it this way, Matthew 6, verse 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. And then there's this line which, oh, I struggle with, but it's there. He said it. But if you refuse to give others, for, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Whoa. Whoa. Now, I'm not going to go into all the theology of this because that, that, that messes with me a bit. I go, how could God, who is so forgiving, not forgive me? But I, I address this. If you go to um, the Friday's devotional this week, you can have a wee read through of that and, and I unpack that a little bit more. But basically it's this. is when we hold on to resentment, we're going, okay, God, you know, all that grace, all that forgiveness, all that love that I have stepped into in choosing to be in a relationship with you, I don't want that anymore. I'm stepping away. And God goes, are you sure? Are you sure you want to step away from my grace? Are you sure you want to step away out of grace and mercy and step into my judgment? Are you sure you want that? You see, what we are doing when we are holding on to resentment and bitterness and judgment is we're siding with Satan, we're not siding with God. I told you there would be some heavy stuff this morning as we work our way through this. It's a, it's a tricky topic. So go through this process of going, okay, what would it look like? What does it look like for me to forgive? What is it costing? What is it costing me to not forgive? And then as you are ready, as God leads you, as someone else may help you in this process, prayerfully release that person from your judgment. Again, remember, we're still looking, the offence is still sitting over here. We're going to deal with that in a minute. We're just talking about the person and our attitude towards them as a person. So step one, we're going to separate it out and just look at the person without the offence. And then secondly, what we're going to do is release them from our judgment and our bitterness and, our, and, and, and re- extend grace to them again. Now, I know that will take some time, and that will depend on the situation. Number three, define for yourself how you will treat that person now with grace and respect. See, it doesn't matter who the person is, even if it's a guard from a concentration camp that killed members of your family. If that person is asking for forgiveness, even if that person doesn't ask for forgiveness, they are still a person in the eyes of God. They are still made in the image of God. They still deserve your grace. They still deserve your respect. I've had the unfortunate situation of 
helping um, a married couple that have got divorced and then working their way through what divorce looks like. And, and divorce is a, is, is a terrible thing and it's, it's not uh, something that God wants, and, but it, it does happen in our, our fallen world. And one of the things that I counsel a couple as they are working out, well, how do we relate to each other, is they have to work through this issue of forgiveness. There has to be this point where they have to be able to civilized, in a civilized way, talk to each other with grace and respect. Even though there's been lots of hurt and even though trust is completely broken down and all that sort of thing, how do I graciously relate to you now after all of this? Now, I get that you are probably thinking of some pretty extreme examples right now where you know, um, maybe an abuse situation or maybe a business partnership where you've loaned money, hundreds of thousands of dollars to someone and they've walked away, or I don't know what the situation that you're thinking of is, but it's somewhere along the line, there gets a point where you have to come to a place where you go, how do I extend grace to them again? How do I treat them with respect? Now, in doing this, I appreciate that trust, the issue of trust and the issue of forgiveness is two different things. Let me be very clear on that. If someone has um, done an injustice towards you, and it is a very clear injustice. Let's take the money thing because it's a fairly straightforward one. You know, they've, you know, you've lent the money and they've taken your money and they've never, never given you the money back or whatever. You're not going to lend the money again, okay? So we're not talking about um, trusting them unwisely. What we're talking about is in your heart how you feel towards that person. Does that make sense? We're there's two different things here. One is an issue of trust and the other is an issue of forgiveness. Now, often it, ha it works out that as you forgive that person, it's easier to restore that trust again. But I also accept that there are situations where trust can never be restored or it's not easily restored. But that doesn't mean forgiveness can't happen. Do you see the difference between the two? Well, hopefully you see the So these are three steps. We separate the, the offence from the person. We then work around asking God to help us prayerfully release people from our judgment. Then we work out well, what would it look like going forward to extend grace to this person? Now what we do is we turn around and look at this thing over here that we put on the shelf, the offence. By this point, you've probably confined it a little bit more down to what it actually was, and you've hopefully separated the offence from the person a little bit. And we do have to look at that, as God does with us. In the second part of that, passage that we read in Romans, it talks about how we've received God's life, we've been justified by God, and God loves us and we're accepted by him, but hey, we're all still messed up, right? Even when we come to God and we get his forgiveness, our mindsets are still messed up, we still want to sin, we're still um, going the wrong way rather than the right way, or we might only be just starting to go the right way, and we need to learn how to live righteously. And so God then takes us on this slow process called sanctification or discipleship, if you like, or making us righteous before him. 
And we're all on that journey still, right? We're all on that journey. We, well, none of us are perfect yet. We've been forgiven, and now we're learning to be made righteous. And there is a point where, again, with, when, you're, when you've been offended by someone, there's this injustice that's happened. Well, that injustice has to be addressed. Going right back to the example that I used earlier with a 17-year-old driver here in Christchurch, he did do time, I think, for a, for a while, or he got some sort of community service. There was, a, there was punishment. The justice system intervened and said, okay, there might be forgiveness within the family, but there is still an injustice that happened here that needs to be put right. Now, fortunately, with, with God and us, God does both those things with us. He not only forgives us, but he also makes us righteous. But in, in our offences between each other, that's a little bit harder to get right. And you may be able to work with the other person and address that issue. You may not be. You may be able to just have to go, okay, it's wrong, and you might have to let the justice system sort that out. I was just talking to someone before who had a crime done against them this week, and I'm going, well, yeah, unfortunately, there it has to be in the hands of the police to sort that out. Now, currently, if you're following the news, there's a... An uh, interesting case of this with um, four or five girls up around Tauranga area that have you been following this that um, were abused by this 16-year-old um, guy up there, and um, he went to court for it. He was convicted for it, but he only got nine months home detention. And now there's this outcry from the public going, "That's not enough. That's not justice." See, there is this thing in our hearts where we go, this has to be put right. But we also have to accept that in our hearts that it may not be us that does it. It may not be up to you that puts it right. And it may not even be the justice system that puts it right. Let's have a read. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Treat them with grace and respect. You will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. In other words, their sin comes back upon them. Don't let evil, don't let evil conquer you. But you but conquer evil by doing good. See, at the end of the day, it is God who will exact justice. And there will be incidences in your life where you just have to go, God, I'm going to take this offense, I'm going to take this hurt, I'm going to take this wrongdoing. I can't see a way where it can be made right. I give it. And literally in your mind, you give it to God and say, God, deal with this your way. I hand it over to you so that I can be free to move on with my life. God is a just God. He sees and knows everything and you can entrust it all to him. Are we able to forgive those who have hurt us? Yes, we can with God's help. We can't on our own, as Corey Ten Boone says, but if we're prepared to go on that journey, God is prepared to meet us on that journey and help us forgive others. How do we know he'll help us do that? 
because he himself has gone on that journey. He himself has forgiven us. He himself knows what it costs. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.